Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Pastor Ben, welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been taking a break and doing a little Q&A session, and so hopefully, maybe you've had a question that got answered over the week, or if you didn't, of course, submit uh, your question in. We'd love to answer it when we get enough questions later on. But before we started that little break in our programming, we were talking about the table. And so we kind of intro that, if you missed that, go back a couple sessions so you can be fully caught up and... And basically, I was having a dialogue with Pastor Eric about uh, what is the table, um, where is it connected in history, and where do we see it in the Bible? And so we've seen all throughout history that people have been meeting in the Christian faith in smaller groups, and especially the Book of Acts. When the church was launching, we see things of that nature right away, that people were meeting in homes, worshiping together, praying together, caring for each other. And so in the modern age, this has kind of been uh, coming back in vogue. I mean, we've seen it all throughout history, but but recently, maybe you've been involved in a small group or specifically at New Life, we call them life groups, which is a little bit more intentional small group. But uh, so we're going to get into that today. We're going to talk about how they're they're lived out at New Life, how we've maybe personally participated in them, and why we think you should too. And so Pastor Eric will be answering all of our questions this week. He does oversee all of our life group ministries, and so... If you're from a different church and want to know more about how you might be able to implement them, of course, call the church, talk to Pastor Eric. If you're a New Life member, regular attender, or occasional attender, and you're looking to connect in a deeper way, of course, talk to him, get plugged in, find a group that that matches you a little bit, that you have some commonality with, and we'd love to have you join us. So we're going to get rolling here. And so I'm going to ask you as we kind of get into mm-hmm. this, how is the table specifically lived out at New Life Lutheran? Yeah, so we we discussed last week, or I guess it'd be three weeks ago, um, that there are kind of two primary components to our table life here. And uh, the one is life groups. That's the primary one. The second one is what we call ministry teams. So that's kind of occasional ministries or service projects. But that primary one is the one that we really lean into. It's the one that we really emphasize, the one that we're really growing into. And the, the one that's really we're seeing a lot of explosive growth in, and that is in our life groups. So the table is lived out in these small groups that meet together primarily in homes, um, although not necessarily always in, in homes, um, but primarily in homes. And um, the definition for us uh, for a life group, a natural expression of Christian community in which believers are brought into closer relationship with God and others through life sharing, intentional caring faithful living, and encouraged calling. So our life groups, um, that is the the definition of a life group here at New Life. So it's a natural expression of Christian community. Um, and we, uh, as, as Lutherans, we have a little bit of a different approach to discipleship as maybe a Methodist congregation would or non-denominational or Baptist. Um, so for us, discipleship is done in the natural areas, in the natural arenas of life. So 
home, friendships, work, uh, service to your community. Those are all the places where discipleship happens. So we really don't have a category for um, a, a separate space or a separate place that you go and you are discipled. We see discipleship as all of those things working together and actually just engaging in those things. So we it's a natural expression. We don't force people out of the natural um, places of, of their life. So oftentimes, for example, our life groups will be set up around um, a particular time of life. So we have a group called Mom Life, and that's one of our most vibrant life groups. Um, and they're, they're all moms. So that's the natural expression. Um, where are you at naturally in your journey? And that's where we're going to build a life group around. So we call that um, affinity-based. Um, so oftentimes it'll be, you know, we have another life group. We call them the in-betweeners. And they are young people who are single or married but don't have kids yet. So it's kind of this in-between, um, what feels like an in-between phase, although we do know that um, singleness is good and, e- and even childlessness um, can be can be a gift. So we want to honor both of those things. We don't want to put too much emphasis on having kids in a family, but that's it feels like you're in between stages in life. And so we are going to honor that space. And we're going to say that's a good space to be at. That's where God has you. So we're going to build a life group around that space. So it's a natural expression of Christian community um, in which believers are brought into closer relationship with God and with others. So there's two, there's a vertical. Uh, we interact with God, and then we also interact with one another. And we do that through life sharing, through intentional caring, through faithful living, and encouraged calling are the four the four matrices that we have for those life groups. So our listeners today, they're probably from possibly different faith uh, denominations within the Christian faith. They po- probably have uh, attended a different church, especially with New Life being so young. We're almost 10 years old. That means that a majority of our population has attended somewhere else. And those churches have probably offered some growth experiences because mm-hmm. every church hopefully is offering some sort of growth experiences. And these are things like conferences and Bible studies and small groups or, or Sunday school, uh, whatever that might be using. So, so how is life groups something different than those? Or how is the table experience different than, than those settings that maybe have been beneficial in the past or beneficial in, in my life or your life or someone else's life? I mean, what's the distinction between that category and, and the life group category? Yeah. So I would say, first of all, that um, things like conferences and those sorts of things, they, they can be really good opportunities. And in fact, we, um, we do think that they're good. And so we offer conferences um, or we partner with churches and offer conferences. So in our community. So when we, the way that we set up our table experience is not up and against how somebody else might set up a small group experience. Um, or it's not even necessarily up and against um, that way of, of dealing with it, um, dealing with, with discipleship. Um, but like I mentioned before, it, it probably, the difference is um, not necessarily in um, the form because the form might feel familiar to some, but it's going to be primarily in um, how we shape that time together. So people might be familiar with getting together in small groups of eight to 25 or four to 25, whatever it is, somewhere in that neighborhood. They might be familiar with that. They might even feel pretty familiar with if it's a Bible study or a prayer group or something like that. They may 
feel familiar with those sorts of things. But the difference with our with our table life is that we have a different approach, overall approach to that discipleship or that development aspect. So we as Lutherans would um, not reject offhand, but we would offhand, but we would caution um, this approach to the spiritual life as one of continuous development. Because I think that if people are being honest with themselves, um, the Christian life is not one of, well, today I'm 80% bad and 20% good. And tomorrow I'm 78% bad and I'm, you know, whatever it is, right? 22% good. Uh, it's not this gradual development where eventually I'm more good than I am bad. Um, but Lutherans, we understand that God has made us, made us righteous in Christ. He has begun our life in Christ. And our life is this constant back and forth between realizing that we've fallen short and trying to follow Jesus as best we can and realizing that we tend to fail and then being forgiven for our sins and being reminded and refreshed of our identity in Christ. So our approach to discipleship is a little bit more identity based, which would make it maybe different than what people are used to, where people probably are going to be used to, hey, come to this conference and learn how to be better this, better that. Come to this group and learn how to be a better this, better that. And we just take a different approach overall, um, where we're saying we're saying we're trying to, to dig in deep to our identity to our identity, that we are children of God. And then that produces a freedom in us that we are free to try and to fail and to try again. Um, so the form may feel familiar, but oftentimes the content is going to be a little bit different because we're not doing this um, self-help style development. We're just not, we're not into that. Um, so I would say that's probably going to be one of the biggest differences, which is why we call them life groups and why one of their primary roles is life sharing, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to explore our life in Christ together and not necessarily trying to like disciple and grow. And, you know, we're not, that's not the end goal. The end goal is living our life with Christ together. Um, so that's probably going to be the primary difference um, is that we're, is that we're not doing that kind of that, that form of discipleship. We're looking at it a little bit differently. Um, another difference that people might, experience depending on where they come from or how they um what they've experienced in the past is um our life groups are not meant to be um like many churches so that's how some people talk about it is that the small group is where our church really happens and the big group is just where we get together and we worship um we don't really see it that way um again because of our understanding of how the gifts that god has given us um we understand that our gathered, the gathered body, where we hear the word together and we receive the sacrament, that's the source and summit of our faith. So our life groups are simply um, expressions of that same source and summit. So uh, the way that I like to think about it is that there's um, that our our divine service, our our Saturday evening or Sunday morning experience, our big group, our row experience, has. Um, is is a, is centripetal in nature, which is where the force that draws you in as you spin. Um, it's centripetal in nature, but it's also centrifugal in nature. So the the people of God have this gathered um, experience where we receive the word of God, we receive the means of grace, the sacrament, and then we are sent out into the world to to do um, God's work and to build God's kingdom. 
So we're always gathered and scattered, gathered and scattered, gathered and scattered. So the life groups are a way to live out and to practice that scattering. But it's always in, um, it should always be in relationship to the gathering. So we're not trying to get people to do real church. We're just trying to help people put legs on what we all experience together, which is the grace of God through the word and the sacrament. So um, again, that's going to feel a little bit different because we're not like, um, we're emphasizing this life together, but it's not um, to the detriment of our gathered experience of the row. So the row is kind of the primary thing that we do. And then the table um, is the place where we get to explore and put legs onto that. Um, so that's why I like to say that that our table experiences in the home are an extension of our altar table um, in the sanctuary, that it's all kind of part of the same life together. Um, and, uh, and so that's going to feel a little bit different um, as well. So it's a place where you can practice your vocation. It's a place where um, all the implications of what we, what we hear and experience through God's grace um, through the word and the sacrament on, on Sunday morning, Saturday evening, it's where those, those things are teased out. Um, so it's just going to feel, it's going to, it's going to be different, even though the form might feel familiar. Um, oftentimes the content and the approach are going to be significantly different than you might find in other, other areas. One thing I really like about our, our life group philosophy and strategy is that we're simply bringing God into the spheres that we're already living. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been at churches before, served at churches before. Um, one of them specifically, we had this pattern we called worship plus two. And uh, this is actually one of the primary reasons that we have life groups like we do here at New Life versus uh, how I've served at different churches, how they've done them, is because the life group idea is to bring God into every facet of our life. And so where we do ministry, where we learn, where we care for each other, there's all these things that Pastor Eric is talking about. We're just bringing God into our life where God has already placed us. Mm -hmm. And then we're living it out and we support each other along the way. And so that's beautiful because really the church setting, the row setting is the launching point for us to live our lives with Christ right. at the center. So in my old church experience, the worship plus two what it was was two other ways that we could grab you and bring you back to the church building. So the two, the plus two was ministry, right? So you do a ministry for the church. And the other one was a small group and you do the small group within the church setting. Mm. And uh, so I always thought, man, that's that's really aggressive. First of all, mm. what that did was it, it basically said three days of the week, you have to be uh, in church. Yeah. And so right away, the only people that could feel good about themselves or successful were those who had a lot of time on their hands. Mm -hmm. And so if you were a successful businessman, if you were a parent, uh, you couldn't really win, right? Mm -hmm. You couldn't you couldn't play a game. You couldn't do the worship plus two. You could maybe do the worship plus one. And so life group experience is really more of a, a worship plus my life, right? So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna put Christ into my into my life. The other thing is I had a I used to serve at a church that had a bunch of different pastors from a different denominations. So I was the Lutheran pastor and we had another guy that I was really close with, with, which was the Baptist pastor. And so he told me some, some history of some of these practices that we just spoke about, like children's ministry, mm. uh, conferences and things like that. And so he always joked about the Sunday evening worship experience. And so maybe you went to a church that had Sunday morning worship and then Sunday evening worship. And so he knew the history of the Baptist church because he was steeped in that from youth. And he told me the reason they did Sunday evening worship is because it started when the TV had Sunday evening programming. Mm. And so they actually set it up 
to get people away from the TV uh-huh. and into church. And so many times, that's what churches can become. I want to get you into this conference, into this Sunday school, into this or that, to put you behind some protective walls. Yeah. Uh, but that's so counter to the Great Commission, right? We're not to hide behind walls. We're to actually go over our walls and go over their walls yeah. and then bring Christ into people's right. lives. And so this idea of setting up walls, protecting ourselves is so counter to what we're actually called to do. So that's why I love that we live out our life groups like this. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that you, it's so funny that you mentioned the Christian alternative, right? That's really what it is. Like, hey, there are these things going on in the world, but here's a Christian alternative to this thing. So let's protect ourselves. Let's separate ourselves. And now, you know, I was really steeped in what's called the missional movement in college, and the missional movement was all about not doing that. And then um, as I walked um, in, in that missional movement and actually came to um, a more liturgical understanding of, of the life, which is of the Christian life, which is uh, centered around um, the, the gathered worship experience um, of word and sacrament, it, it struck me that like the missional movement is is a direct response to that flavor of doing of the Christian alternative. But there have been people, everyone, you know, most Christians across time have been living quote unquote missionally because they've been going to going to service and receiving the grace of God. And they've been involved in morning and evening prayer and they've been going and doing their jobs well. And like, that's, uh, that's the Christian life is doing your vocation, doing your calling well, and uh, and honoring God through that. And that's how you build his kingdom in, in your world. And it's like, it's funny because the missional movement was just so, it was like a vacuum and it didn't even notice that there was this whole world that had been going on the last 2000 years of just normal people living the Christian life well. And uh, and it actually created more um, more of a guilty conscience because it's like, you're not doing enough. Like that's was, that was kind of the main, one of the main points of the missional movement is that you as a church leader or you as a Christian are not doing enough. But um, but we would say um, if you're loving God and loving your neighbor, you you are doing enough. And actually, it doesn't matter if you do enough because anything that you do doesn't contribute to your salvation anyway. So your, your salvation is in Christ alone and you are free now. You, you, don't, you do not have um, an obligation to do good works but you are free to do good works, which changes the tenor of a guilt-based, shame-based approach to the Christian life, which I, which I feel like oftentimes when we talk about discipleship, that's where it, it kind of comes out of is I'm not doing enough or I need to do more, um, which most popular authors, Matt Chandler, Francis Chan, David Platt, these guys who are big on discipleship, that's ultimately what it comes down to is you're not doing enough. You need to take it more seriously. Um, and that's where most of it comes from. Most of their energy comes from. And, um, and so I like our approach because we're saying, look, you can't, you cannot do enough because you cannot earn your salvation, but God has redeemed you and saved you in Christ. And now you are free. You are free to, to pursue those things. You are free to follow Jesus and you are free to love because you are living now without consequences. Um, you are not free to sin, but you are free to love now, um, which I think is just a that's such a radical change from what I grew up in and what I uh, heard and experienced um, both growing up and in college. Um, uh, 
that it's really like exciting to hear that and to um to to have permission now to be free instead of feeling like I'm trapped under the weight of um you know quote unquote discipleship. Yeah. Yeah, we also see in scripture too there's this great important verse when it comes to really talking about that idea of shame motivation or mm-hmm. guilt motivation. And what scripture says is it's your kindness Lord, your kindness that leads us to repentance. Yeah. And that verse has just struck home to me so much that it's not God shaming us or guilting right. us to do something. It's the kindness. And that's the beauty of it right. is that we don't have to do anything, but we get to do something. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, we get to carry our faith. We get to offer this gift to people. And and how beautiful is that? I mean, why wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, that's an amazing gift to to care for your brother and your sister, your neighbor, whomever you run into to bring God's gift to them. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want mm-hmm. to do that? Mm-hmm. So the win is to be equipped and to learn and then to accomplish that goal. Yeah. And in the end, that's a, that's a win for your life because you have purpose and a point and you can bring mm-hmm. that into every facet of your life. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you my next question. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say um, you run into somebody, they've been going to church for a long time and they are very faithful, but they kind of have this idea that what living the Christian life is, is I go to church and then I go to Sunday school. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to somebody who who comes in and they're like, hey, these are the two things I do. Why would I want to make the shift to a life group or um, participate in one? Yeah, so I would say there are a couple um, responses. Um, you know, again, like we just talked about, um, I would have to say your salvation does not depend on this. So you, you, you do not need to do this. Um, but you are free to do it. So maybe you could say you ought to, right? You ought to do this um, because it's good for you to do this. And and I would challenge the, and, and this is totally prevalent in our world, um, in the Christian world, I mean, um, the Western Christian experience is one of information transfer, which we've talked about in the past, um, that the idea of discipleship or the Christian life is one of getting the right information um, and if I can get the right information, then I then I'm in, then I'm right, um, which is what we see in the rise of denominationalism, and then even into the into the 20th century, where the number of denominations just exploded, is because it's people when when people assume that if I have the right ideas about God or the right ideas about Scripture or the right ideas from Scripture, then then I'm in the right, and then I am discipled. Um, that's where we get the rise of like this. Uh, information-based faith. Um, but we don't have an information-based faith. I'm actually just having a conversation um, with some college friends. Um, we're having a chat right now about um, some some ethical issues in the Christian life, and 1 Corinthians 8 um, came up, and um, which is the, the section where Paul talks about meat sacrifice to idols. And he starts that passage off, he starts that section off by saying everybody has knowledge, Everybody knows things, but knowledge puffs up. It makes you proud, but love builds up. And then he says, in fact, if you say you know anything, that just shows that you don't know anything. Mm. (laughs) And so um, what we see is that generally our approach to discipleship um, in in the 20th century church is information-based. And it's because it feels good to to know the right things and to be right. And... um, it makes you feel proud, even if you don't identify it as that, right? It feels good to know things. So I would challenge the person and say, well, um, Sunday school really isn't the Christian life. 
that's just a place to get information and information's good. Um, it's good to have the right information. And, you know, you and I would agree that we think that our particular tradition is the best expression of biblical Christianity. We, we have that conviction. So we believe in knowledge and we, you know, we believe in those things. Um, and we like those things. Uh, so, I would challenge that person and say knowing things is not the Christian life. I would suspect that what's going on in that Sunday school, if it's been successful for a long time, which, um, you know, we have Sunday schools here that have been meeting for, I don't know, whatever, 50 years or something like that. My suspicion would be that they're actually doing more of what we're talking about with a life group. My suspicion would be that they are doing this life sharing. They are caring for one another, that they check in on one another. They hold one another accountable. Um, because when people have gathered themselves around the word of God for a long time, I'm guessing that's probably what's happening. So I would probably dig in and see um, and see if that's the case. And if it is, then it's like, hey, that well, that is a life group. I mean, that's what we're aiming for. Um, so I would say uh, the, the question is not why should I do this, but why not? Why shouldn't I? Um, if I am free in Christ and I am free to walk with other believers and I don't have to have shame, about doing enough. Um, I don't have to have shame about my sin because I, you know, we are sinners and we can continually receive forgiveness from God. You know, why wouldn't I gather with other believers and why wouldn't I live this life together with them? Um, you're free to do it. Um, and it's beneficial for you. So why, why not? And so I would, I would investigate that challenge the information based discipleship, hoping that that's not actually what's going on. Um, but then I would kind of turn the question on its head and say, why wouldn't you engage in this experience if you're free? So here's my next question for mm-hmm. you in connection with that. Uh, yeah. And it's similar but different. So we have uh, we just had a conversation about Sunday school versus life group. Yeah. Now let's talk about the other plus two of the conversation I just had mm-hmm. a second ago, mm-hmm. which is ministry. So mm-hmm. let's say I'm in a, in a ministry team. How does that life group philosophy actually filter into the concept yeah. of a ministry team? So, um, there are a couple of things that go into that. Um, the first one is that, again, there are some ideas about what it means to do ministry that I would want to probably challenge. Um, and what I would want to challenge is how churches have done, um, I don't know, I call it arm's length ministries, right? So like, how can we do ministry, but also like separate us as far as we can from the people that we're ministering to? Um, and I would suspect, and I actually know uh, more often than not, the ministries that go on in our churches are those kinds of ministries where um, we give money to certain things or we raise money for certain things or we raise donations for certain organizations that then go and do do the ministry. Um, I would say that that's... Uh, that that's a nice thing to do. Um, but that's, I think that falls short of ministry. Um, so I'd probably challenge that first of all, uh, because you're not actually ministering, you're just donating, you're just being generous, which is a good thing to do. That's not a bad thing. Generosity is a good thing. Um, so I would, I would say, uh, first of all, most of the time when we talk about ministries that we do, we're not actually talking about ministry. We're just talking about generosity. Um, in which case I would say we should, uh, try to jettison as much as we can from just being generous and actually do ministry. So for us here at New Life, the goal, the end goal 
is um, for our life groups to do ministry. Um, so we see this most specifically. We have one life group that's beginning to implement this, where um, as they they're taking a, a short break or they're taking it easy, I should say, for the summer, and then into the fall as we kind of revamp all of our life groups and we do you know um, a big life group push to get people involved in them. Um, they're going to do one service project over the three months of the fall before Christmas. Um, they're going to do at least one service project. The goal is two. So they're going to um, go to, um, it's not, it's not, I don't, I'm not sure if it's a assisted housing, but it's some sort of subsidized or low income housing area. And they're going to do a cookout. So just a free food cookout games for the kids. Um, so a community that doesn't feel loved by um, many people in their community because they are poor and they, you know, whatever, um, they're, they're marginalized for whatever reason, skin color, language, um, uh, legal status, whatever it is, they're marginalized somehow, um, they're going to get shown love. So that's a life group doing ministry as part of their life together. And that's the goal. So the way that it filters into the rest of what we're doing is we want ministry and serving to just be a natural part of your life together. Um, because we do think, um, and uh, the formula of Concord says, those who are truly believing will have good works. So we, we want to encourage um, good works. We want to encourage ministry and generosity because um, we know that if the Spirit indwells us and is leading us, He will lead us to do those things. Um, so, so the life groups will filter into that ministry because ultimately the hope is that our life groups are essentially doing all of the ministry of our church. Um, so we want to decrease the amount of times and ministries that are just simply um, that are birthed out of and grow out of our physical building. And we want to encourage more ministry to be done in neighborhoods, out of people's homes, you know, out of local places in our communities um, so that's the ultimate goal. Right now, we're we're not there yet, um, but that's what we're working toward: is for our life groups to be, to be the place where ministry happens. So let's get a little bit more personal as we think about this. Obviously, uh, we can sit here all day and we can talk about the philosophy of yeah, the life right, group. Right. Well, let's talk about the the practicality of of it in your own life. Mm-hmm. How have you lived this out in your life? Um, what benefits have has that given you? And, and just kind of how have you experienced that throughout your yeah. existence? Yeah. Um, well, I uh, especially have um, a tendency toward um, uh, an abstraction and thinking about things and doing less. And so, um, you know, for me, this natural expression of Christian community of of having these times where uh, we we share life with people that are in our uh, part of our journey. This is uh, this has been huge and has actually been the area where I've I've seen the most transformation in my own life. Um, so, uh, for me, you know, I've experienced a softening. Um, I was very bullheaded, uh, which I guess I still am. Um, but I was very bullheaded in college and not very gracious and the fruits of the spirit were not that evident in me, um, in college and through, um, accountability, right. By my friends who I'm still friends with, um, by being called out by them on some of the junk that I was doing, um, by continuing to have conversations with me and supporting me, loving me, even when I was stupid. Um, that's, that's birthed a change, um, a positive change. And I'm certainly not, 
um, perfect by any means, but I, I can look back and say, oh, I have grown. Like I, I am more mature. Um, but I didn't enter any sort of like uh, program where they were like, okay, in three months, we're going to cure you of your um, pride. You know what I mean? Like I did not do any dis- quote unquote discipleship program that um, worked those things out of me. It just, it happened because I was dedicating myself to, um, to worship, to the word and to the sacrament. And um, I was learning to live that out with my friends and my neighbors. Um, so this has been in- instrumental, been just a natural, I mean, I think if most people look back at their own lives, they would see the same thing, that it's through um, natural expressions of Christian community and along their journey, that's where they've grown the most. So I know my friend group has been instrumental in my change and my growth and my maturity um, and and still are. So that's been, I mean, it's dominated since I became a Christian um, or really uh, took, since I took it seriously um, and entered into college, um, that's been the, the vehicle um, that has, that God has used to transform me. And it hasn't been information uh, because I didn't become more holy because of the classroom um, or I didn't become more mature because of the classroom. I went through four years of college um, and oftentimes knowing more actually made me more prideful and arrogant. Um, but it was those connections, those friend groups that actually birthed the softening of my heart um, and and the uh, softening of, of some of my approach to people um, that really birthed more of the fruits of the Spirit in me. Well, there's a lot of little things that we hope uh, transpire out of, of life groups. So we're, we're going to cover next week an acronym or start the covering of an acronym. We'll go piece by piece by piece of all the things that we expect to happen in a life group. And so the first one is is life sharing, which is exactly what um, Eric is talking about. Getting around people that can be open and honest with you and you can have real conversations. And I think I think for all of us, just, just right off the bat, as we kind of preview this for next week, obviously that's something that we want in our lives. Mm-hmm. We want real relationships. Mm-hmm. We want real friendships. We want real mm-hmm. people in our lives to have real conversations with. Uh, the I of that acronym is intentional caring. And so we're going to, get into how do we care for each other? How are we honest with each other? Which is exactly what you're talking about. People that care for you enough to tell you the truth, which is a a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. Also, we'll talk about faithful living, which is the F in this scenario. Uh, Living out our, our, our faith, um, being true to what God has called us to and living in all those benefits. And the last one is encourage calling. And that really, we're going to talk about how has God made us? How do we, encourage each other in those directions mm-hmm. to to live out our uniqueness in the world and to really live on mission for Christ. And mm-hmm. so hopefully um, you've enjoyed the last couple of conversations, but the next ones are going to get even better because we're going to get really practical. And if you go through uh, these next four weeks with us, I am convinced beyond a doubt that you will realize that in your life you've been missing something. Yeah. And so I want you to step in, keep listening, keep connecting, and uh, walk with us through this acronym so you can understand what a life group is. And in the end, hopefully, maybe you'll be called to start one or mm-hmm. join one. Uh, but this is something that, uh, like Pastor Eric said, it's not required for salvation. But man, it's a huge win if you step into this space mm-hmm, yeah. and take this opportunity. And so I, too, have been a, a positive uh I've had a lot of positive experience when it comes to life group. And so I, I think uh, it's definitely something you should live out. In fact, some of my closest friends are, are past life group members with me mm-hmm. who've walked with life. I've been able to be 
honest with them and transparent with them and and they have done the same and so those are the same people that i i go down when their kids are being born so mm. i can baptize their kids and stuff like that we're talking 20 hour travels type scenario those are the people that call me because we were in our life group together we shared our lives we cared for each other we encouraged each other and we did mission together and in the end those are the people that i'm the closest with and mm. so Definitely, definitely, definitely. If you're looking to grow in your faith, if you're looking to connect with people in a real way, you're feeling lonely, the church is maybe a little bit big, but you're hoping to find some smaller connections, this is the place and space for you. And so connect with us next week as we step into space and talk specifically about life sharing. I'm making my way.